so good evening and thanks a lot. I, I really didn't know uh, what to wear uh, today because it's mid-October, so I thought maybe I should be in my proper winter jacket. But then we had Hurricane Ophelia and we had the kind of tropical blast of air and it, maybe I should be in shorts. But generally, uh, I actually overcompensate for the fact that uh, I'm a kind of community-based social justice campaigner. Uh, so you might imagine I would come in a kind of, you know, funky shirt with a slogan. So I actually overdress uh, typically. So I'm here in a, a tie. If I get hot uh, and start to glisten, then at least you, at least you know why. Um, so, so not to start on a depressing um, note, but the, but the news is depressing and infuriating. And last week was no different. And the awful uh, scandal of uh, Harvey Weinstein, and that's rolling into this week, and the awful systemic uh, abuse and harassment that that symbolizes, the Brexit negotiations uh, collapsing. Uh, I'm not going to carry on, because there were two uh, news stories um, just at the end of last week, which actually uh, were my uh, favorite news stories of the year so far. And the first one, relates to a fish, a dover sole, 14 centimeters long, and the guy was kissing, he caught the fish, he was kissing the fish, it's something that you do if you catch a fish, and the fish jumps out of his hand into his mouth, gets stuck in his throat, he can't breathe. People saw this story? He, he has a cardiac arrest, and miraculously, there is a paramedic close enough to pull the fish out with forceps, and he's completely fine. And there's an amazing selfie that he's taken with the paramedic, who's like the hero of the story. Um, and he's blaming this Australian fishing show for kissing the fish. And anyway, that was what, it's nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. Uh, but that is a funny news story. Um, the, other, the other story, which probably less people in the room uh, saw, is a story, is a, was a story about the national living wage. And uh, the, the report is about a, a government policy introduced by George Osborne when he was Chancellor, um, basically to, to significantly raise the, the minimum wage, calling it the national living wage. Um, and the news a report was that this has had the biggest positive impact on low pay in the country since the 1970s, and that hundreds of thousands of people um, have, have had a pay rise. And uh, I'm going to talk a bit about that story, because that, is also, that connects to my story. Um, and I, I've had the, the kind of privilege to play a little part in helping make that happen. So, uh, so I grew up in, in southeast London. Oh, a couple maybe, quite silent. Um, uh, in a place called in a place called Forest Hill. Um, so I went to my local um, I went to my local uh, state primary school called Hornemans, and it was nice school. Um, uh, good teachers, you know, kind of terrible food and a little concrete playground, but like a nice environment uh, uh, to go to. Um, I got a scholarship then to a private school, co-ed private school in Dulwich called Alain's, and it was just like a world apart. Um, big uh, green playing fields and cricket and rugby and beautiful buildings and like quiet classrooms most of the time. Uh, but it was also... It was also quite separate from the, the kind of hustle and bustle of, of South East London, and also just a bit self, at the time, a bit self-satisfied. It was kind of just a bit pleased with itself, and I, I basically had a bit of a distaste growing for, for the school, and, and, I, and I left, I went back to a, a state a sixth form Elliot school in, in Putney, and amazing teachers there, uh, but also uh, just a little bit 
a little bit wild and, and a bit aggressive. And I think I, I wouldn't want to be a 13, 14 year old boy in that school, if I'm honest. But, um, but what, that, what that meant for me is that my eyes were open to the, the inequality facing children in the city and I couldn't really ignore it. And I had friends uh, from Alain's who, for them, you know, the, the big house and trip skiing and maybe a private tutor and, you know, even if they didn't work that hard or even if they um, got into a bit of trouble, crashed their parents' car while drunk, maybe something like that, um, they were kind of just put back onto that path, put back onto that path towards a good uni, towards um, uh, a good job. And then I think about friends uh, I had from, uh, from Elia, and, and for them it's a bit different because you go home and you're like dodging a a gang in the stairwell maybe and, and you go up and uh, for you evenings are looking after baby sister because mum's mum's out working uh, the lights go out because there's no money in the meter and that's where you do your homework and I felt out that made me feel I think I felt a bit uh, lucky because that wasn't that wasn't my I was somewhere in the middle of that but I also felt a bit angry and I felt angry I think because we tell children that if you work hard, then you can succeed. And that makes sense because you want to motivate a child to do well. But the reality of it is that, you know, there's a few hundred thousand kids in this city who are growing up in poverty and overcrowded housing. And so that means that we're kind of failing them in terms of the chance that we give them. And then we're kind of systematically lying to them. Because we tell them that if they fail, it's their fault. And so that kind of burned into me then, and, and that's the reason why. So when I saw, um, I saw the living wage uh, a, a few years later, and, and it just made sense. It's like, it's an expensive city. If you earn in the minimum wage, how can you provide for, provide for a family here? And, you know, parents shouldn't, have to, parents shouldn't have to make a choice where they're having to, you know, work an extra job because they need to put money on the, on the table. And so... So, so it made sense. So I threw myself into it. This is the this is the living. It's like 2005, and my first uh, my I had I didn't know what I was doing. I had I had no idea really um, how to how to do this campaign. But what I was trying to do was um, was persuade a university, prestigious university based here, to to go living wage, to basically increase the pay of everyone working in that in that um, uh, on that campus. So I was. Um, I was like chasing these Somali women cleaners up and down a corridor, sort of, will you talk to me? And they didn't want to talk to me. And I was leaving flyers under, um, you know, doors and holding meetings, the kind of meetings where you're the only person there. Um, and I, I realized it, after finally getting to have a conversation with a couple of the people who were working there, cleaners, um, it's because they were scared. And they knew what I was talking about. They knew what I, they knew they wanted the living wage. Uh, but they were scared, and they were scared because uh, they were employed by a, a cleaning company. Uh, and this, this, the cleaning company, the local manager, he was basically a bully. He was a racist bully. And his management style was basically like shout at someone and kind of intimidate them until they would do what you want and threaten them with losing their jobs. So the reason why they weren't coming to the meeting was because they were scared. And, and I was a bit stuck, and I was stuck until I, I found, I had a, I had a breakthrough, I found a, a woman called June, and June was a Jamaican grandmother, <laughs> another great June, Jamaican grandmother. She'd worked there at the university for about 30 years, 
and she knew 10 times more how to organize the cleaning system than the manager did. Um, and so when she got on board, and it was basically just because she was brave, um, when she got on board, uh, people started to come to the meeting. So now we've got like five, 10, 15 people coming, and we, we're now getting under the skin of what's happening. And this is just an everyday university. There's nothing particularly bad about this, but the kind of stories for people who can't get their voice heard and don't have any power, um, the hands, their hands were, uh, had, were irritated because the chemicals and the gloves weren't good enough and um, people were coming to work sick because uh, they didn't have uh, sick pay and they couldn't afford to, to, lose, to, miss the, to miss the pay. So we wrote a letter to the university and it's like, this is a good thing to do and you should pay the living wage and we didn't get a response. Um, and so we realized that we had to, had to get more people on board. And so, um, so June gets a team together. She starts going to see the students and talking to them and telling them what's going on and trying to get them uh, together. Talking to academics who, um, you know, maybe they were like researching about international migrant labor flows and so on, but actually that was, that was happening right there. That was the people who cleaned up the lecture hall once they were gone. Um, and, and yeah, so we started to bring the campaign together. There were really two things that, that made a difference. Uh, one was the, uh, the thing we called the dirty dossier. And the dirty dossier was uh, basically just like the worst of the, of the examples uh, of what was happening and some of the evidence. And we sent the dirty dossier to the, to the governing body um, of the university and we said, this is coming to you uh, this time. Um, but we think you'll agree that this doesn't best serve the reputation of the organization, and we want progress, otherwise it will go, it will go beyond uh, uh, just you. That was one. The second thing we did was organize a march. And the march was, um, so we had the kind of cleaners at the back, June and her, her colleagues, but they were quite scared, so they were still kind of at the back a little bit uncertain. Then we had the students, they were keen on to go on a march, the academics, a couple of them, and some people from the local um, mosque and the local uh, church and in fact the, the march was was led by these two social justice warrior catholic nuns uh combined age about 250 and it was a slow march but it was also a short march so it was okay and we got to the um gates and any good action prompts an overreaction and the university um, had decided that the best thing to do was to hire big guards with dogs. And that was the best response to make to the nice little march with some drums. Uh, and so there was a, the local paper was there and took a picture of the scene of the Catholic nuns and the, and the big dogs and the security and everything. And uh, the next day, the headline was, none of you can come in. Um, and the university looked silly. Um, and the university looked nasty, and, uh, and we began negotiations. And over about six month periods, uh, we talked and we talked and we gradually knew that we were winning. Um, and when it came to uh, the kind of crucial meeting, we thought they were gonna say that, yeah, we're gonna increase the pay of the, of the cleaners. And actually, they went, they went two steps further, and to their credit, they, they, they ended the contract with the company, they brought all the cleaners back in house, and what did that mean? Well, it meant, for, it meant for June and 150 mainly women, mainly migrant workers who'd been exploited and who'd been bullied. 
um, went to, got the living wage, they got sick pay, they got holiday pay, they got career progression and, uh, and training. Um, what it meant for the living wage, well, that was one, that was one victory in, in, in a big campaign that thousands of people have participated in. Um, and now there are, there are three and a half thousand um, companies out there that choose to pay the living wage. There's about a quarter of a million people who've been lifted out of working poverty over the last sort of 12 years with that campaign. The government living wage, don't be fooled, is not a real living wage. It's a good thing. Uh, the policy that I mentioned with the good news story, it's a good thing. Um, but the government national living wage is only £7.50 in London and the real living wage is £9.75. So don't be fooled, but it's a step uh, uh, in, the right, in the right direction. So the campaign goes on. What did it mean for me? Well, I mean, it changed my life because I realized that it was possible to, for people to come together and for people to have some power and to change things. And I came to realize there was, so there was a method and uh, the method is called community organizing. Uh, and it has a great uh, kind of history. So Barack Obama was a community organizer. He worked in his 20s in Chicago. He said um, it was the best education he ever had. Rosa Parks um, and thousands of um, civil rights leaders were trained in the kind of same method, same kind of heritage um, of the method. And so the reason that I wrote uh, the book, um, How to Resist, is because you know, I feel like at the moment there is this massive appetite for change, particularly uh, amongst um, young people. And, you know, there's lots of big marches happening. The big marches happen and people kind of come back from the march and it's like, how was the march? Well, it was good and it didn't rain and there was lots of people there. And yeah, but what do you think will happen? Um, I don't know, you know, but I'm glad I went. And, and how to resist is really to say, this is what you can do after the march. This is what you can do as well as the vote. Um, but it's about how you make um, social change kind of part of your everyday life and how you win something in your community or workplace. Um, and so what does it mean for you? Well, I hope that you enjoy the story of, of June. Um, I hope that if it's relevant, and I don't know whether if you might have a cleaner, you might have a babysitter or someone that you could just check if they get paid the living wage of £9.75 an hour, that might make a difference uh, to them. Uh, and if there's something that makes you angry, there's something that you care enough about, uh, then I hope that the, uh, the method of organising and, and what's in the book um, could help you uh, to make a change too. So... Thank you very much.